Genesis chapter 8 from verse 8 through 13. Genesis chapter 8 verse 8 to 13. Then he sent for the dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening. And behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So no one knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. In the six hundred and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dried. Thank you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Spirit. This is a continuation of our study on the series of the Holy Spirit teachings, which we have begun. And this month, this is supposed to be part three, right? All right, thank you. And so, part three of the teachings on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we are looking at the Holy Spirit, our helper and comforter. The Holy Spirit, our helper and comforter. But before then, I want us to look at this principle there are three major principles when you are studying the bible that you have to pay attention to because they help a lot in the study of the bible but for the purpose of our discussion we will look at just one the law of the first mention the law of the first mention what does it mean the law of the first mention simply states that anytime that you are confused about a subject matter in the bible just go back and look at the first thing that god said about that topic when it was first mentioned in the bible when that topic was first mentioned in the bible what was the first thing that god said about it when it was first introduced that is the law of the first mention and so when you are confused about a topic anything any subject matter in the bible you can uh, you can apply sorry 
the law of the first mention. And so if somebody tells you that ah to justify drunkenness if somebody says that to you then you go to the law of the first mention apply it when drunkenness was first mentioned in the bible what happened or what did god say about it in the bible we know that the first person who got drunk was a preacher, an evangelist, Noah. But I will not go into that. And then, so any topic at all, that is what I mean. Titan, marriage, giving, whatever, drunkenness. So, for instance, uh, uh, one typical example of the law of the first mention in Mark chapter 10, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said to him, Moses wrote to us that a man can divorce his wife if he is not satisfied with her behavior. He can only give her just a certificate of divorce and he is free to move away from her. So, and Jesus said to them in the same Mark chapter 10, Jesus answered and said, Moses, it is because of the hardness of your heart. That is why he wrote that to you. But in the beginning, God created the male and female. And God said, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will be one flesh. So, in other words, Jesus is applying the law of the first mention here. And he applied that law many times in his ministry on earth when he had to deal with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So, Jesus is saying that in the beginning, God made them male and female. And the first thing that God said when marriage was first mentioned in the scriptures, when marriage was first introduced, what was the message that God preached about marriage? He says, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two one flesh. The two will become one. So even though Moses told you Later on that you can divorce, but is that what God said in the beginning when marriage was first mentioned? Is that what God said? He said the two shall become one. So that means there is no room for separation, for divorce. Of course, he gave a condition there. You know that is about infidelity. That is the only condition. Is it? So the law of the first mention says that any time that you are confused about a subject matter in the word, the Bible, 
just go back look at the first thing that god said when it was first mentioned the topic was first mentioned in the bible what did god say about it so in case he says one thing here and another time he says something else like uh, in another breath what he says looks like is different from you might think it's a contradiction but there is no contradiction god does not contradict himself if you apply the law of the first mentioned war you will get the meaning of what he is saying about the the, the gist of that topic the subject matter so the holy spirit some religious set liken the holy spirit to be a wind some say he is rain others say he is a cloud some say that the holy spirit is the active force of god and so they tell you that he is the active force of god and if you agree with them then the next thing they will tell you is that so the holy spirit uh, expired or he finished his work when the last apostle died you see so the holy spirit ended his work after pentecost that is what they will tell you if they say to you that the holy spirit is the active force of god and you agree with them they will say that to you to deceive you but because you see every active force has a lifespan so if you tell me that the holy spirit is an active force of god you are telling me that the holy spirit has expiring date he has a lifespan that is what you are telling me in effect for instance the the car batteries they have they are active force because they have lifespan that's why you buy a new battery into the car and after some time six months or some one year back, and then you you, you you start your car then you hear the engine the the lifespan of the battery has expired so if they tell you that it's a native force of god then you agree with them you say oh then the holy spirit finishes work uh the day that the last apostle died so can you imagine that healing teaching signs and wonders stopped when the last apostle died no 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 so the holy spirit in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2 paul says that the holy spirit sends us to you Acts chapter 13 and verse 4, it says, The Holy Spirit spoke unto us and said, Separate unto me Paul and Barabbas. Acts chapter 50, so the Holy Spirit, he speaks. That is what I mean. He has personality characteristics, just like you and I. He can send people. He said, The Holy Spirit sent us unto you. Acts 13 and verse 2. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke unto us and said, separate unto me, Paul and Barabbas. So he can speak like a person. As 13 and verse 4. As 15 and verse 28. Paul says that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit not to lay upon you such unnecessary burden. 
And so the Holy Spirit, he knows what is good and what is bad. So he has personality characteristics. So the Holy Spirit is just not, is not an active force, it's not a wind, it's not a rain or whatever. It's not a cloud. He has personality characteristics. He is part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity. And so he has personality characteristics. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, Paul says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So people can grieve him. People grieve the Holy Spirit. If you consistently or continually do what the Holy Spirit, I mean, he forbids you to do, you are grieving him. So you need to dwell with the Holy Spirit like the way a husband dwells with his wife. You see, you don't have to grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul says, grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Ephesians 4 and 30. Again, Peter said to Ananias, Acts chapter 5 and verse 3, he said, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So people can lie to him, like the way you lie to your friend, the way you lie to another person. People can lie to the Holy Spirit. He has personality characteristics. Just that here, when you are lying, he knows that you are lying. The Holy Spirit is the one who distributes the gifts of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, Paul says that he has distributed the gifts the Holy Spirit he knows what you need so he looks at you he says Bismarck you take the gift of healing you take uh, you this one take the gift of uh, signs and wonders you take tongues interpretation you take teachings you take this it's the work of the Holy Spirit he says he has distributed the gifts so the Holy Spirit has personality characteristics we can go on and on and on and on and mention many personality characteristics of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. So, the Holy Spirit, coming back to what we started with, the law of the first mention, the Holy Spirit, what is his work in our life? What is his duty? When the Holy Spirit was first mentioned in the Bible, what was he supposed to do? Or what did he do? When we applied the law of the first mention. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 to 2. says, In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Who stop? Verse 2. It says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved over the face of the deep. So, 
the first time that we hear about the Holy Spirit and we see him in action was in Genesis chapter 1. That was where we, we see the Holy Spirit in action the first time. Genesis chapter 1 in creation. So the Holy Spirit, when he saw that there was chaos on earth, that something had gone wrong with creation concerning the earth, something had gone amiss. The Holy Spirit, when he saw that there was confusion, darkness upon the face of the deep, he moved over that darkness, he moved over the face of the deep and he settled that confusion. He settled that chaos. He brought an order in creation. It says that that there was the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of god moved the other day we said that he used the hebrew word he said tahu abahu tahu abahu so he moved over the face of the deep and god said let there be light so the holy spirit was in action to settle order he brought orderliness so by the law of the first mention the holy spirit the first time that we see him in action in genesis the holy spirit brought order in creation he moved to settle orderliness to to solve that confusion that uh, problem with creation so when he moved then the voice followed he said let there be light so he separated the light from the darkness that is why paul says in 1 corinthians chapter 14 and verse 40 it says, let everything be done decently and in order. But before he said this, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Spirit of God, God is not the author of confusion. And so then he said, let everything be done decently and in order. So when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, the first sign that you see if you genuinely have a spirit in you you see orderliness in your life that is why somebody can be a drunkard when the holy spirit comes into him in his life he gives up that lifestyle somebody can be a womanizer somebody can be following another person's husband Somebody can be lying and rest, but when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you give up that lifestyle and there begins order in your life. You don't just live your life anyhow, just to please people, just to please any human being, but you don't even live your life to please the masses. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 2. Do not follow the multitude to sin against the Lord thy God. So you, you, you live your life under the guidance of the Holy Spirit.
So he comes into the believer's life to settle order. All that he does in your life is sum up to orderliness. Orderliness. He comes to settle order in the believer's life. Goodness gracious me. But we are we are going on. You see, ladies and gentlemen, of all the creation of God, all that God created, there is one thing that God loves most. And that is man. God loves man very much. God really loves man. But I'm going to tell you the satanic plan. This is the satanic plan. When Satan saw that God loves man so much, of all the creation of God, man is the one that God loves so much. This is what he did. But before then, let's read Psalm. Psalm 8. Psalm 8 and verse 2. The satanic plan. Psalm 8, verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to steal the, the enemy and the avenger. Now, let's go to verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. So David thought about this and he couldn't understand. The love that God has for man, it just beats his understanding and it beats his imagination. So David screamed out in the scripture and said, Oh, who is man that God you love him so much and you care for him? like that so when satan saw that of all the creation of god man is the one that is dear to the heart of god then he satan put inside man what god hates most so that in god's attempt to destroy what he hates he will end up destroying man that he loves that is the satanic plan. So Satan put inside man sin. God hates sin. But he loves man. So if God tries to destroy sin that he hates so much, he will end up destroying the man that he loves so much. We had a statement before that God loves the sinner, but he hates sin. That is a very complex statement. God loves the sinner, but he hates sin. Because, you see, the sinner is man, human being, and he was made in the image of God. So God loves him so much, but he hates the sin that he commits, because it's Satan who put the sin there. So God hates his act, the sin, but he loves man 
because he made him in his image and likeness. So when God also saw that Satan had put inside man sin that he hates most, that if he tries to destroy the sin that he hates most in man, he might end up destroying the man that he loves most. Then God sent the Holy Spirit. Oh goodness gracious me. I feel like preaching already. God sent the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit, God sent him to be in you so that he will help you in your infirmity. He will help you in your weakness so that whatever that smells like sin, the Holy Spirit will make us look presentable spiritually in the sight of God he will take us from our sinful state, our falling state, and wash us, cleanse us, and make us look and appear the way God wants to see us, the way God wants us to look and appear. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit was sent to us to deal with sin, which Satan had put inside man, so that if God tries to destroy that sin that he hates most, he will not end up destroying the man that he loves. So he sent the Holy Spirit to deal with that weakness of sin, the infirmity that is in man, the infirmity of sin that is in man. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and verse 26 to 27. Romans 8, verse 26 to 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps our, sorry, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for us. 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Ah, goodness gracious. He intercedes for us according to the will of God. That is the Holy Spirit. And he does that with groanings that words cannot speak. So is it when you stand to pray, you will confess of the faults that you know. The sins that we have committed that, that are known to us, that is what we confess in prayer. That's what we talk about. Oh God, I did this, God. I, I did that to somebody, I lied, uh, I cheated uh, somebody, a friend. and That is what is known to you. That is what you can remember at the other moment. But there are some secret faults, some secret sins that you committed that you might not even know that is sin. Maybe you might have spoken to somebody in a way that might have offended a person. Your mind is not even on that because you don't know. So when you stand to pray, 
the Holy Spirit, because he knows the deep things of God and he searches the mind of God. Because Psalm 42 verse 7, David says that, he says that deep collect unto deep the water spout. So the Holy Spirit, he makes intercession on our behalf with words, with groanings that words cannot utter. So whilst you are praying and say, God, forgive me, I did this, I did that. In fact, I insulted somebody, I, I offended him in this way. And then the Holy Spirit, because he knows the mind of God, he helps you to pray according to the will of God. So he's making intercession for us according to the will of God. Goodness gracious me. That is the Holy Spirit. But ladies and gentlemen, a very great example of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the story of Esther. Or the book of Esther. The book of Esther depicts the Holy Spirit. It typifies his work very well in the believer's life. When Queen Vasti, uh, the queen of the land of Persia, had uh, lost her seat because of her disobedience. So the queen had lost her seat. And now some beautiful girls were selected, including Esther, to contest for the seat. But these girls were to go through 12 months preparation. That is serious. 12 months preparation just for one beauty contest. And the girls were to be soaked. The, 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 the 12 months were divided in two phases. Phase one or six months. And the first six months, they were to be soaked in oil of men. And the second six months, they were to be soaked in uh, perfume oil. And after that, every girl's turn will come to go into the king's chamber once. And when you go and you please the king, then you are chosen to become the next queen instead of vast. But we must understand that the background that Esther had come from was a very low background. Low class peasant girl living with her uncle and a low class girl, low social status, uh, an orphan girl living with her uncle. Esther was from a very low background. Now let's go to the word. Esther chapter 2. Esther chapter 2 and verse 12. Esther 2 verse 12. Now when the ten came for each young woman to go into Kinahazaros, after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, 
since this was the regular period of the beautifying six months with oil of men and six months with spices and ointment for women so you see what he's saying every girl's turn will come for her to go into the king's chamber for one night but before you go you must go through the 12 months preparation for just one beauty contest the, 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 the girls were to be soaked in oil of men. You see? So that your skin will look like the way Kinahazarus wants the skin of her lady to look like. So they were to be soaked in oil of men. The oil of men will remove every impurities from the skin and make the skin look so fresh the way that the king will be pleased to see the skin of her woman look like. <laughs> Goodness gracious. And then, after the first six months, they were to be soaked in oil of perfume. Perfume oil. So that you will smell the way the king wants you to smell. You see? You may be a beautiful girl. And your perfume may smell very good to your nostrils, but maybe not to Kinahazarus. The king who ruled the whole of the Persian Empire. And so he wants you to smell the way he wants, the scent that he wants from his woman. He wants you to smell that way so they were soaked in oil of perfume for another six months that's a 12 months the, the bible says that even our righteousness is like filthy rag before god ah goodness gracious our righteousness is like filthy rag before god so that was even kinahazarus a king of the persian empire but here we are talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord of Lords. He sent the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit would take you up from the sinful state and wash you and prepare you, cleanse you, make you look the way he wants you to look so that when you appear before him, anything that smells like sin any odor of sin in the nostrils of god will be removed by the holy spirit when you appear before him that you will not smell sin in your body when you appear before the king of kings hallelujah <laughs> that is the king of kings the work of the holy spirit our comforter our helper the holy spirit but in the days of esther the, the girls were not put in prison or some solitary confinement like that they were allowed to move about in the palace they were allowed to move about in the palace 
they had their freedom. So, in case you are a contestant and you have gone through these 12 months of preparation, first six months oil of meh to remove the impurities on the skin, and the second six months a perfume oil to make you smell the way that is good in the nostrils of Kinahazaras. After you have gone through this thorough preparation and lengthy preparation, and you move about in the, in the palace, and the, the, one of the subjects in the palace, the elders in the palace, whether the Ahimkwa or the Udukro, sees you and says, oh, wow, <laughs> baby, you look so nice. Wow, I like your skin. Uh, I admire you, I like your perfume. And then you say, <laughs> thank you. Then you can try it once. Thank you, you can try it. You, right there you have missed your purpose. You have missed your chance. Because you should know that that 12 months of preparation is not meant for anybody there in the palace. It's not meant for any of the subjects, the elders. The purpose of it is to appear before the king one night in his chamber just to catch the king's attention and to please the king. So it's just for you to please the king. That is why you go through that thorough preparation for 12 months. So if you mess up with somebody else in the palace, you should know that you have missed your chance. Many of us, the mistake that we make, ladies and gentlemen, is that when the Holy Spirit has picked us, like in the days of Esther, He has picked us, washed us, cleansed us, and make us look the way He wants us to look, I mean, and take away any, anything that smells like sin in our lives, so that we can appear presentable to God, then we still go back to mess up and wallow in sin. We still go back to wallow in sin when he has prepared us so well to appear before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. On the way, we mess up with sin. In the days of Esther, if you do that in that contest, if we're a contestant and you do that, remember that you have missed your chance. You are counted out. You have missed it. That is it. And so, as we go on, that is what happened in the days of Esther, how that book, the contest in the land of Persia, which Esther was involved, Hadassah, that is how it illustrates the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believers. But in Genesis chapter 8, from the verse 8 that we read to the 13, so in the days of Noah, uh, God was moved by sin. God was displeased with the sin 
on the face of the earth. And so he was moved to destroy the earth. In the, in the generation of Noah, the days of Noah. So God destroyed the earth with flood, the water. Except Noah, the eight people who entered the ark. But when it came to time that Noah had to know whether the water had receded from the face of the earth, he sent out the raven. And the raven went and never came back into the ark. He didn't enter the ark again. But that one is even another preaching in itself. Why the raven did not come back into the ark? Because the raven is a polluted bird. And so when he saw carcasses on the face of the earth, the waters, the dead bodies floating on the face of, uh, I mean, floating on water, he said, wow, this is chop time. He had a meal. Because it's a polluted bed, so he loved the pollution of the world. The pollution of the world attracted him, the, the raven, to the world. And that is how sin attracts people. The pollution of this world, which is sin, attracts people and it prevents people who enjoy the pollutions of the world, the sin of this world, to come to uh, the kingdom of God our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So the raven did not come back into the ark. And Noah sent out the dove. The dove went. The Bible says it didn't get a resting place for its feet. So the dove came back. And Noah could hear the, the flapping of the wings. And Noah opened the window and let in the ark, the dove, sorry. Eight days later, Noah sent out the dove because the first instance he knew that the water was still on the face of the earth, so he let in the ark. So eight days later, he sent out the dove again. And this time, the dove came back with an olive branch in its mouth olive leaf in his mouth and then he waited eight days again he sent out the dove and this time the dove went and never came back into the ark then no one knew that the water had receded from the face of the earth so it is time to come out of the ark you see ladies and gentlemen if you allow the Holy Spirit to decide for you, to go before you, before you make a move, your lifeboat will be anchored at the right place. So now the Holy Spirit has finished his work. The dove, he had finished, the dove had finished his work. And then now, is looking for whom to settle. But there was something happening in the supernatural. This dove was looking for whom to settle. In other words, the Holy Spirit was looking for who was ready to abide. 
on uh, to abide in that person forever. And so he was flying in thin air, floating in thin air, looking for him to settle. In the supernatural, and then came to Matthew. So before then, he used the prophets, the Isaiahs, the Jeremiahs, Amos. Sometimes he could stir them up. Hosea uh, and the rest, Zachariah, he could stir them up and they would prophesy. Uh, but he couldn't abide forever because there was something in them. And he was looking for who was ready to abide in forever. He came to the kings, the Holy Spirit. He used Saul, but Saul was disobedient. He couldn't abide on him forever. He came to David. He used David. David, though he was a man after God's own heart, but he took somebody's wife and killed the man. And so the, the dove, he said he descended. The dove came in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. That is the Holy Spirit came in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And he saw John baptizing everybody. But there was a young man, 30 years of age. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. And the dove settled on him. He said the Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove and settled on him. And the heavens opened and a voice spoke out. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, now he has found someone who is ready to abide on forever. That is Jesus of Nazareth. The Holy Spirit has found somebody to abide on him. He settled on him. But for you and I to have that physical uh, evidence, because the thing was going on in the supernatural, for you and I to behold it in our natural eye, it came as a dove. So that I know that the Holy Spirit had come to settle on him. But it's amazing, ladies and gentlemen, as we are wrapping up, it's amazing why God chose the dove. That the, the dove at the Jordan to represent the spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has the, the dove has some characteristics that are akin to the Holy Spirit. There are very similar characteristics between them, the dove and the Holy Spirit. There are some similar characteristics. Is it the left wing, the left uh, wing of the dove or the left hand has nine feathers in it? Nine feathers. First Corinthians chapter twelve. From verse 7 to 10, the, the gift of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, they are nine in number. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. The dove, the left hand, the left wing has 12 feathers, uh, sorry, nine feathers in it, nine feathers. 
And the right hand or the right wing of the dove also has nine feathers. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. The fruits of the Spirit, they are love, peace, those things, long-suffering, and the rest, they are nine in number. So nine gifts of the Spirit and nine fruits of the Spirit. So the left wing of the dove has nine feathers. The right wing also has nine feathers. And there are nine gifts of the Spirit and nine fruits of the Spirit. Again, the dove has five feathers in the tail. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. To some, he made pastors. He gave them pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles, the fivefold ministry. The goodness gracious me. <laughs> the fivefold ministry. And again, the, the dove, that green thing, Bismarck, what is the name? The green thing. Uh, Bonima. Yeah, Bonima. Bow. Okay. That green thing in the. That, that, that can bust and make the meat bitter. It makes the taste very bitter. That green thing. They call Bonima. Yes. Every bird in the world has it. Bismarck, every bird in the world has it, except the dove. The dove do not have it. That means that in the Holy Spirit, there is no bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 to 16, Paul says that, Let no root of bitterness spring up among you as it was in Esau, who was a fornicator, and for one muscle of bread, he sold his birthright. So in the Holy Spirit, there is no bitterness. That's why the dove was chosen at the Jordan to represent the Spirit when he came in the form of a dove and settled on Jesus. Uh, we thank you, Jesus. So the Holy Spirit our helper, our comforter. Please, we will stop it here. This is the part three. Part four, part five, and part six will come. And so, if you have not accepted Jesus, wherever that you, you are listening to us, anywhere in the world, please, the message is that Jesus is coming very soon. And all this talk about the Holy Spirit and this and that. If you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not accepted Jesus, there's no way you can benefit from the work of the Spirit. Because if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, you cannot also receive the Spirit. So please, at this point, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just repeat these words after us. Just say it along. So, ready. Say, Lord Jesus, 
I come before you this day. Make me a new creature. Forgive my sins, O God, so that I will not be a castaway the day that you appear in your glory. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me. Thank you for making me your own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for these ones who have accepted Jesus this day as our Lord and personal Savior. It is my prayer that, that the Lord of oh God, you fill us with your spirit so that we will walk the way that you want us to walk. That by your grace, O oh God, we will not be found wanting the day you appear in your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to die for our sins. Thank you for redeeming us from our sins. Amen. So please, if you pray this prayer sincerely from your heart, find a Bible-believing church. Underline a Bible-believing church and fellowship with them. Uh, But we would also like to hear from you, JSL. If you want to fellowship with us, in case it's possible for you to join into fellowship with us or to share the word of God with us, our number, both for calls and WhatsApp, is 0246-135843. JSL. Jesus saves the lost. Please let's hear from you if you have accepted Jesus by this audio. God bless you.